This message is brought to you by Living Faith Church. You can find us on the web at livingbyfaith.com. I want you to open your Bibles to Colossians chapter 2. I'm going to read it out of the Passion, so if you don't have a Passion version, just listen. For he is the complete fullness of deity living in human form. And our own completeness is now found in him. We are completely filled with God. Christ's fullness overflows within us. He is the head or the source of every kingdom and authority in the universe. Through our union with him, we have experienced circumcision of the heart, all of the guilt and power of sin, or the body of the natural realm has been cut away and is now extinct because of what Christ, the anointed one, has accomplished for us. last week looking at faith from a slightly different perspective and I want to continue with that discussion this morning Um, there's something within humanity there's something built within our heart where we want to know who God is it doesn't matter where you are it doesn't matter where you come from and it actually doesn't matter how isolated you are even in the most isolated spaces around the world, you can go into those societies and into those communities. And within them is a hunger to sit and say, there is a being greater than me. And I might not know who he is, and I might not be able to define who he is. And I may not have met him, but I know that he exists. There is something on the inside of who we are as people that wants to know who God is. And over the history and over the decades, people have gone to great lengths to try and understand and connect and know who God is. We want to know who he is. People have got ideas. People take their ideas and they write them down. Books are full of ideas. Books are full of words. Words that were written from people who were trying to discover and know who God is. Social media platforms are full of words of what people are sharing about what they believe about God and who God is and what he's all about. If you speak to people, they'll share with you with words what it is and who they believe he is. The thing about it is, despite all of the words that are shared, all of the words that are found, all of the words that are sitting in libraries across the world, there's only one living word. And that's Jesus Christ becomes so important for us because when Jesus came, Jesus wasn't another attempt to try and define who God was. I've got quite a bit of feedback, um, Dave, Buddy, someone. Jesus never came and he's not another attempt by man to try and define who God is. When Jesus came, he came as God with the intention of letting you know who he is. It's the other way around. Jesus came to reveal who he was to us. And so it takes on so much more consequence because we begin to realize that in the context of who Jesus is and what he's all about, Jesus becomes God's representation of who I am. Which means anytime we have a discussion about who God is, anytime that we want to discover who he is, it means you can never exclude Jesus from the equation. 
Because to exclude Jesus is to exclude God's intent way on revealing himself to us. So Jesus becomes so fundamental to everything. Jesus becomes the core of everything when it comes to knowing who he is. Jesus becomes fundamental and important in, first of all, knowing who God is, and secondly, in developing relationship with God, and also as the author of our faith. What I want to speak to you about today, and hopefully I'll do a partially decent job of it, is that faith is not about a whole set of beliefs. It includes that, but it goes beyond that. You see, I think what we've done over time is we've, be, we've tried to distill faith down to something that we're able to safely and comfortably put into a definition, and we try to live with that. But the thing about it is, we, I don't think we've always done a particularly good job, and I think what's become apparent to me is that faith is so much more consequential, and faith is so much bigger than just using a, a, a collection of beliefs to be able to inject God into my circumstance or my situation. And what I'm going to present to you today is the idea that the core benefit and the core reason that faith exists is that you can know him. The core reason faith exists is to introduce you to knowing him. Lots of people have an association with God in some way or another. They have an affinity to varying degrees. They know about God to varying degrees. But what I'm going to propose to you today is that the only way that you really get to know him, the only way you get to experience him and the only way that you get to encounter him is through a mechanism called faith. It's how we take who he is and make it a part of who we are. And it changes who we are. It's the way that I begin to know him, not because he's a God who lives outside of me, but he's a God who's wanting to make himself apparent and very real to who I am. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. The word became flesh and evidenced himself as Jesus the Christ. There are two important components in the equilibrium. The one is Jesus the Christ, But the second one is the word. If you've never met a person or if I try to speak to you about a concept that is something that you're not able to tangibly grasp, the easiest way for me to explain it to you is to use something called words. Words become really important because I can start to give color and definition to a concept, an idea, or a person simply by using those. The thing about it is, in God's economy, God doesn't simply use words to communicate, but God uses words as carriers of power. You see, when God uses words, what ends up happening is words take on life. God's intention is that when you come to life and you hear the words of life, those words of life become living seeds. The word became flesh. And dwelt among it. It took on life and evidenced itself as Jesus the Christ. When he speaks to you, the intention is that the living word takes seed on the inside of who you are and it begins to grow. It evidences the life that's on the inside of it. So life, so words and Christ become two important equations that we, we uh, variables that we need to look at in the equation. What I want to say to you is this. 
Science is a wonderful thing sometimes. Gives us good examples. You can have a wonderful collection of hydrogen over here. And you can keep all of those little molecules together. And you can have a whole bunch of oxygen over here and you can keep those molecules together. The thing about it is when hydrogen and oxygen come together, you have a reaction and suddenly it translates into water. Something happens. What I'm going to propose to you today is that when Christ and words come together, something happens. Something happens. That's why God has given us something called the written word. Because what he's saying is, everything in the written word is giving you an idea. It's painting the God universe for you. So that you're able in that universe to get an idea as to who he is. But the whole point of the written word is always taking you to the living word. Why? Because when the living word speaks into your life, what happens is the anointed one and his anointing comes on the word. And something takes root on the inside of you. And I'm changed. Not because of who I am. Not because of what I did. Not because of what I know. But because all of a sudden his life has taken root on the inside of me. Our concept of God and our concept of faith, I think, has been a little bit compromised. And so is mine. I include myself in that equation. But for me, I was always raised with the idea that the way you bring God on the scene is through your faith. The way that you deal with circumstances and situation is what you do is you, you get your faith together and you speak the word of God over it and you believe it and then you look for it to happen. All of the things fundamentally have a place in God's economy. But I've come to realize, and what I'm proposing to you today, is that faith is not about a formula. Faith is not about following a set of rules. Faith is an extension of our relationship with God. Faith is all about me coming to a place where I understand who I am in him. And when I live from who I am in him, all of a sudden I live with different expectations. I'm not sitting in a place where all of a sudden I'm trying to inject healing into the situation. I'm living from a disposition where I recognize that the very life of the seed of God has been birthed on the inside of me. And what that seed says on the inside of me is part of his nature. And part of who he is is that he's all about life. And an expression of life is healing and wholeness. I am healed. I am whole. That's an extension of who I am. And so when I work and walk into situations that are contrary to who who I am and what my identity is all about, I automatically move back to the place where I sit and say, I'm expecting change here. Not because I'm trying to do anything, but because what I'm doing is I'm living from a place where the greater one has given definition to who I am. And I'm living in the expression that I'm looking for him to evidence himself in my situation. It's so much bigger than who I am. It's so much bigger than simply following a set of rules. Your Christianity should be the most exciting place because outside of your relationship with God, you'll never discover your destiny. Your destiny is to discover who I am as the healed. Who am I as the whole? Who am I as the life of God? Who am I as the overcomer? Who am I as the one who can do all things through Christ who strengthens me? I'm discovering my destiny in whom, in him. And I will never discover that outside of what Jesus did for me. 
But he's developed a way for us to be able to embrace that and to walk into it and for us to be able to partner with what he's done so that transformation takes place on the inside of me. And in partnership with him, I walk into the expectation that my world changes. Relationships change. Why? Not because of anything I've done, but because I know who he is. If you open your Bibles to Galatians. Where am I now? Galatians chapter 2 and verse 16. It says, knowing that a man is justified by the works of the law. Uh, is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Christ Jesus, that we might be justified by faith in Christ, and not the works of the law, for the works of the law, um, it doesn't matter. The point is, I want you to focus on that little phrase. It says, even we have believed in Christ Jesus, that we might be justified by faith in Christ That's interesting. It's become a little phrase of contention recently. And it's something that's been very helpful for me because if you look back in the original Greek, the word that is used there for faith is pistis. And the thing is, pistis in the original Greek doesn't only mean faith, but also means faithfulness. It means those two things. And so the thing about it is, the way that we've read this verse traditionally has been, it's not by my works it's not as a result of anything that I do that I earn my salvation. It's as a, real, as a result of my believing in my faith that what ends up happening is God does something for me. But it's inherently flawed. I know now everybody's paying attention. <laughs> because what we're really doing is this. We start off with the premise that you can't do anything to earn your salvation. And as a result of that, it's dependent on something else. But what we're suggesting to people is, it's not that you do this, but actually that you need to do something else. You need to develop your faith. You need to grow your faith up. You need to do something on the inside of you so that you're at a place where your faith introduces you to your salvation. So really, all we've really done is we've substituted one set of works for another. We've substituted natural works for intellectual works. Actually, what the proposal is, is this. What that verse verse really says is that knowing that a man is not justified by works of the law, but but, but by faith in Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Christ Jesus, that we might be justified by the faithfulness of Christ. By the faithfulness of Christ. The emphasis is no longer on what I do, But the emphasis is on what he does. What it's saying is, no matter what you do, whether it be follow the law or whether you substitute that for trying to build up some sense of personal faith, it's not possible for us to actually receive and walk into what Jesus has done for us. What is made available to us is made available to us as a result of the faithfulness of Christ. What he did was he was the one who followed what God wanted to do, and as a result of him being faithful to God, we received our salvation. Now, it doesn't mean that we don't have faith. I'm not saying we don't have faith. 
So please hear me. What I am saying is this. Our faith is not rooted in what we do, what we're able to muster, how hard we can believe, how we're able to build it up. Our faith is grounded and rooted and birthed out of the faithfulness of Christ. He gives us a gift called faith. It comes from him. And what it says is, my faith says, I'm able to partner with what he's done. I'm able to participate in that, not because of anything that I've done, but because of who he is. And so I live in the expectation of partnering with his accomplishment and living in the expectation that I walk into the salvation, not because of me, but because of him. It has everything to do with him. You see, we realize faith... We realize life as a result of words that produce faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. What is it saying? When I hear the words of God, what ends up happening is there is a divine impartation that takes place on the inside of me and it changes who I am. It's something which is a gift as a result of what Christ has done, which means I'm no longer central to my salvation. The words which speak about his faithfulness become the catalyst through which faith comes and is imparted to me. When Jesus came, faith came. When Jesus came, God's faithfulness was on display. What he said was, look at me. I made a promise. Many, many generations ago to a man, and I fulfilled it. What I want you to see is this is who I am. What I want you to see is this is how I intend for you to live. The opportunity that is extended to you is for you to come to a place where, we, where you can participate in knowing him. And as a result of knowing him, we move to a, a position where we experience life of a superior nature. It's all about him. You see, when faith came, faith never came. uh, When the word came, the word never came demanding faith. The word came providing faith. It provided faith so that we could walk into everything that God has provided for us. It is not my goodness that it is not my repentance that leads God to goodness. It is knowledge of the goodness Revelation of the goodness of God that changes my mind about how I see things. It's not on my part. It's on his part that affects change and does something on the inside of who I am. In Genesis chapter 15, there's a rift that exists between God and man. And God is sitting there and he's saying, I don't want to live with a rift anymore. I'm looking for opportunity to once again remedy that. I'm looking for opportunity for once again for you to get to know who I am and for me to make myself apparent to you so it introduces you to who I originally designed you to be. He's looking for opportunity and he meets a man called Abram and he says to Abram, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to cut covenant with you. I'm going to make covenant with you. And as a result of that covenant, what I'm going to do is I'm going to commit to you that through your seed, the nations of the earth will be blessed. God was sitting saying, I'm making a commitment at this point. I want to be known by the world. I want to be known by everybody else. And that is the commitment that I'm moving to. And so if you have a look at Galatians 
chapter, where am I? Galatians 3.15. Oh, sorry. (laughs) Now to Abraham and his seed were the promise made. He does not say, and seeds as of many, but as of one. And to your seed, who is Christ. Paul is saying that in the lineage of your seed, the fulfillment of the promise will be made. When Jesus was born, Jesus came in and Jesus was 100% God and 100% man. When Jesus came in, Jesus understood that his purpose was to fulfill the plan and that God had initiated with Abraham. He knew that he was going to move to a place and he knew that he was going to end up being sacrificed that needed to be made for that. He fulfilled it because he understood the faithfulness of God. He understood what was at stake. And the thing about it was, he lived to that, to that uh, end all the time. When Jesus came, something else I wanted to pull in here. The thing that's so wonderful about Jesus is that Jesus is the perfect mediator between God and man. Jesus was the perfect mediator between God and man. When you look at the life of Jesus, Jesus was 100% God and was 100% man. And he brings the two of those entities together in unity. The reason that it becomes so important for us is because he's not only the perfect media, but he's in perfect harmony between God and between man. What it means is, in the capacity of perfect harmony, he was at that place where Every time God was revealing who he was, there was a perfect response on Jesus' part. Jesus began to realize and recognize who the Father was. Jesus never born with, wasn't born with full revelation of who God is. He was perfect man. He grew up as a man. He had the spirit on the inside of him, the spirit of God. But he grew in, in the understanding of those things. But as a result of his relationship with the Father, what ended up happening is every time the Father introduced an aspect of who he was to Jesus, Jesus grabbed a hold of that and said, I understand that is something that's designed to seed my identity. That's designed to seed who I am. So he began to change and he began to conform to who the Father was. He was faithful to every word that he heard from the Father. That's why he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. What was he saying? I'm referring back and I'm making reference to my faith. Faithfulness, Because in everything that he's shown me about who he was, I've allowed that to give definition to who I am. And as a result of that, every invitation that God extended to him, he demonstrated perfect faith. So when the father said to him, lay hands on the blind man and he'll recover, what ended up happening? He acted on that. And he sat and said, fine, because that's the invitation that's extended to me, that's what I'm going to end up doing. So he acted on every initiation that the father had. Every time the father said, I want you to do something, he did it. Even to the point of death. He understood that in order to fulfill everything that was required of the Father in order for us to walk into the nature of the relationship that God wants to have with us, the price that would have to be paid would would be his life. It wasn't something that he wanted. But what I would propose to you is this. He knew he was going to be resurrected. 
apart from the prophecies that had come, how did he know? Because of the faithfulness of God. He had history with the faithfulness of God. And he knew it may cost me my life, but it's okay. I may not like it. I may not like what it looks like. And I may not want to experience everything that went through that because there was nothing good about it. But he also knew, knew that I would have to be raised from the dead. Because if I wasn't raised, for the re- raised from the dead, it wouldn't be something that would be available to bless the nations. Blessing the nations was dependent on Jesus being raised from the dead. So what does Jesus give us? Jesus' faithfulness introduces us to a relationship with God that is currently on the go. In Jesus' relationship with the Father, he knew who the Father was, and the relationship was whole and it was complete. His fellowship with the Father was something that was initiated and it was ongoing. He lived in that context. He lived in that paradigm. That was the space within within which he lived. And so when we participate in his faithfulness, what he's saying is every time I extend you an opportunity to participate in that faithfulness, I'm introducing you to more of the relationship that I'm currently enjoying with the Father. It's through Christ that we get to know the Father. It's through Christ that we get to understand who we are. It's when we participate in those, in in his faithfulness, that we come into the revelation of what that relationship was all about. And we begin to experience it, not because of what we've done, but because of what he's done. You see, we lived a life in harmony with those things that separated us from God. And as a result of it, We lived in that space and gave expression to that space. What Jesus is saying to us is this. I'm offering you the opportunity to grab a hold of my faithfulness. And my faithfulness will begin to define for you and begin to make real and apparent to you what it is to live in connection, perfect connection with Father God. In that space, he will reveal himself to you. In that space, he will invite you to a point where you begin to understand who you are as a result of how he designed you and what Jesus has provided for you. It's about redefinition of who I am. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 46 says, There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and one Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. There is one faith, which is Jesus Christ. In that faith, he is perfectly united to the Father. He is the author and the finisher. He is the originator and the perfecter of our faith. Everything was fulfilled and completed in that relationship between him and the Father. What he's inviting us into, he's inviting us to participate in that relationship. What he's saying is, I've done everything necessary for you to grab a hold of my faithfulness and to partner with my faithfulness so that it becomes something which is alive on the inside of you. Jesus understood that what he did and what he accomplished was something which, that stood the potential to transform and change generations to come. And so when he was dying on the cross, he referred to Psalm chapter 22. And he starts off from verse 1. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? 
Why? Because he understood what he had to go through and ultimately what he had to fulfill in order to move to the place of us realizing relationship, knowledge of who the Father was once again. But he ends off by saying, it is finished. If you have a look at verse 31 of Psalm chapter 22, it says, they will come and declare his righteousness to a people yet to be born, that he has done it and that it is finished. What he was saying is, what I have completed everything. For the generations to come, everything has already been taken care of. I am the one. And if you can come to the place where you can come into relationship with me, it'll be transformational in who you are. I'm trying to get this practical. So let, let, me, let me say this to you. When we talk about faith, faith comes by hearing the word of God. In a very practical way, words become the vehicles through which faith arrives. When God says, I'm going to give you a gift, the gift is of faith. He gives to us. But the gift comes with something. It has to be attached to something. Because faith on its own doesn't mean anything. Faith is there to give expression to something. So when I hear the word of God, what I'm doing is I'm gaining something which is a word from him. It gives me an idea. You are healed in Jesus' name. Healing is the gift. Healing is the package that comes with the gift of faith. Because faith is there to take that word and give it life inside of our lives. Let me uh, give you an example. If you go to a car dealership and you said, I'm here to buy some horsepower, they would look at you like, what? I'm here to buy horsepower. They'd be like, I don't know what you're talking about. Because horsepower comes with the car. So you have to buy the car, and what ends up happening is the horsepower is what drives the car. You've got to get a word from Christ. You've got to get a word from him. That's why relationship is so important. Because when you move to that place where we spend time with him and he speaks to us, the word that he speaks to us becomes the package that carries within it. It's the wrapping of the gift of faith. So anything that he speaks to you carries within it faith. Why is faith so wonderful? Because it is a divine impartation that carries with it the ability to take that word and make it alive inside of your life. What I would propose to you today is this. When we get into a relationship with God and you enter into dialogue with God, the gift that he gives you is resurrection life. What faith does is faith acts as resurrection life on the inside of you. So what ends up happening is I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but him who lives in me. Everything is dead. The problem with it is there's some things that really need to become brought to life on the inside of who I am because I really don't know who I am and I really don't know what I'm all about. And when I begin to spend some time with him, he begins to speak to me. And what he's saying is, fine, what I'll do is I'll speak to you about how righteous you are, how I see you are so perfect. And what he does is he gives us the gift of righteousness and carrying within that is something called the gift of faith and the gift of faith is there to give resurrection life to righteousness on the inside of me it's there to resurrect something that never existed before (coughs) 
or things in my throat, things in my eye. (coughs) It's to resurrect something that's on the inside of us. The whole point of faith is not just so that it's a catalyst that goes with things. Why is it that faith comes and gives us confidence? Because it's the substance of what I'm hoping for. Suddenly everything that I was looking for, everything that I believed, everything that I wanted from God, suddenly it became some substance in my life. Where did substance come from? Resurrection power. It exists on the inside of me. It's no longer just a concept that's alive up up here in my head. It's not something I'm thinking about. It's something that goes much deeper than that and begins to define who I am. You get to partake of resurrection life when you become a faith person. God is going to use that so that he can take the words that he uses when he spoke creation into being and it happened. When the word became flesh and dwelt among us, he's wanting to take his word and he's wanting to sow it into your life. And when he sows it into the, into your life, he's looking for it to grow and take root and for it to, to, to give ex, uh, expression to life inside of you who you are. It changes who I am, not because of what I do, but because it's a gift. It changes who I am. And when it changes who I am, I become somebody else. I'm not just a somebody, but I'm somebody defined as a result of relationship with him. I'm beginning to understand what it is to be conformed to his image. Not because I'm trying hard to be a good person. Not because I'm trying really hard not to use bad language. Not because I'm trying really hard not to be the one who's selfish and grabs the last donut. But because I recognize it in that space, if I can just hear his words, he's going to put life on the inside of me. And transformation and change is going to start to happen on the inside of me, which has absolutely nothing to do with me. But it's all because of what Jesus has provided for me. What Jesus is inviting us into is that intimacy of relationship with the Father. What he's saying is when you come to this place and you live from this place, you will begin to move in a space where you will hear the words that he speaks to you. They are redefining. They are catalysts of life that are going to take seed on the inside of us and begin to change who we are. And when I become a different person, I live with different expectations. When I become a different person, all of a sudden I begin to recognize what it means to live from. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Because you see, what is given form in my life and what is given expectation in my life is not defined by me. I'm not walking into foolishness and presumption. It's something that comes as a result of the word that he's spoken to me. What he's saying is, because it's alive on the inside of you, it'll be fulfilled. It'll be fulfilled. Jesus accomplished everything for us. And what he's saying to us is, I don't need your law and I don't need your, your belief or your faith, in your faith. What I do need is, I need you to come to a space where you recognize what I've done. I'm looking for you to come to a place where you sit and say, let's get into a relationship, you and me. Because in that space, you're going to begin to change. In that space... Transactions take place. Words are exchanged. And life is planted. It begins to change who we are and we become a different person. 
I'm no longer who I was. And suddenly I moved to a space, like Galatians 2, uh, 2 verse 20 says, 3.20. I no longer live by my faith, but the faith of Christ. The faith of Christ. Everything he did is taking who I am and redefining me. Father, I just want to thank you for a peculiar people. I thank you for an incredible people. I thank you, Father, for what you're doing in the lives of every person here today. Today, Holy Spirit, I thank you for the invitation that you extend to us with regularity. How you're always inviting us into something more, into relationship, into an experience and an encounter with you. I thank you for faith. I thank you that it is a gift from you, Father, that comes wrapped in the package of your promise and your blessings. I thank you that it carries within it the power of life that's able to give it substance inside of who we are, a new place that we're able to live from. I pray, Father, for people who are at a place right now where perhaps they're apathetic and they don't have the hunger for you. I pray that you will just burn inside of them. I pray that those coals will just take fire. I thank you for a hunger that introduces them to intimacy with you. I pray blessing on every person here. I thank you for your protection over them, Holy Spirit. I thank you that no weapon formed against them, no COVID formed against them or anything else touches them or harms them. I want to thank you, Father, that we live as conquerors. I speak prosperity over them. I speak favor over them. I speak blessing over them. I speak health over them. In Jesus' name, amen.